you've ever wondered what it takes to build a world-class software engineering team, then this is the episode for you. In today's episode of the Brains Bite Back podcast, we speak with Sashank Purigala, founder and CEO of Boss Framework, a complete solution to build, migrate, and manage cloud applications and environments. Sashank talks about his backstory, explaining how he came to the US to study for a master's in robotics, but ended up staying and has since lived in Alabama, Philadelphia, and now resides in Nashville. He also opens up about why he decided to pick Nashville as a base to launch Boss Framework over other cities he considered, such as Denver, Raleigh, and Austin. Additionally, Sashank shares how Boss Framework was able to reduce one client's spending from over $1 million to 200K, thanks to the cloud solutions company powering its infrastructure. Moreover, Sashank breaks down his perspective on the psychology that motivates engineers and shares examples of how to motivate them to be as happy and productive as possible in their work and output. One example of this is the idea that they need to work in something they feel is larger than themselves. And finally, Sashank shares why engineers love problem solving and how encouraging this is important in order to motivate and develop a strong team of engineers. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Disclosure, this episode contains a client of an Espacio portfolio company. So thank you for having me over, Sam. My name is Sashank Purigala. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Boss. And uh, what we do is, I'll, I'll give you a little story that way you understand. We are a cloud enablement platform. And what we do is we help companies save a lot of time and money on their cloud initiatives, including long-term management. One of the companies that we work with, for example, was spending over a million dollars on their cloud management, uh, including their cloud bills, the people that were working on it, as well as uh, the other software that they were using. Uh, it took us about four months, Sam, to layer all that on Boss and you know, basically have Boss power their cloud infrastructure. And now they spend less than 200,000. So we can bring substantial efficiencies and that's what we do. Awesome, fantastic. Well, it's great to see that you do have that solid value add. And I would be curious to know how it all began. Like how did it go from uh, an idea or conception to becoming what it is today? Sure. Uh, I've been doing technology uh, for a very long time now. Boss is the third startup. My second startup was uh, a, a development shop which focused exclusively on building software products, this brand new products uh, or uh, next generation products for uh, companies in the regulated space. We were building it for various countries across the globe in several industries. One of the things that happened during that period was uh, we started finding that we're doing the same thing again and again in terms of server setup, uh, in terms of uh, ensuring security and compliance, um, and some baseline functionality that were important for let's say authentication, authorization, user management, PII or PHI separation. And we started questioning, why are we doing this over and over without doing it right once and reusing it? After all, you know, that is the goal that everybody in software has, which is that code reuse. Uh, but it's not just about code reuse. We were looking at a larger construct that is pervasive across the entire ecosystem, the software, all the layers of the software ecosystem. 
including the application as well as infrastructure. So we started building a framework for our own internal purposes to ensure that we are able to serve our customers better. Um, and then we finally got it after many, many failed attempts and a lot of refinement over several iterations and several engagements, we got something to work. Uh, and then when we finally worked on this massive project that is about 1800 man months of work, we got it done in 800 because so much of that was just that repeat rote work. We employed Boss, the then version of Boss, and then we delivered it in less than, I mean, we saved them about a thousand man months of effort. Then I thought uh, building this as a separate company would be uh, a good idea. And that, that's how Boss took birth. Awesome. Excellent. Now, I'm really curious because I want to know what's the name or what's the story behind the name Boss? Because I'm guessing like with the fact that Boss, the B-O-S is capitalized, is it fair to assume that it's an acronym? It is. It is. It's an abbreviation to Business Operating System. So that's the acronym. Um, reason why we called it that is um, there is, especially in tech-enabled companies, where I'm not talking about tech-based, but tech-enabled companies where technology plays an important role in companies delivering their services to non-developers. Um, there is a very big disconnect invariably between the technology team and the business team. One of the reasons is the misunderstanding that most business people have around how complex and how difficult it is to build technology and technologists, engineers try to explain in their own way how difficult it is. And they end up taking on a lot of technical debt and it becomes challenging to clear that over a long span of time. And then, and, and, you know, you enter into other problems around cybersecurity and just not, not, not having a very functional product sometimes, um, you know, resilience issues, availability issues, scalability issues, et cetera. So we built this to enable those developers to deliver on their business outcomes quickly, effectively, and with, in, in, with dependability. And hence, we called it the business operating system. Okay, that makes sense. I, I can understand that from that perspective. And it, this is my next question really here is, is a bit of a tangent. But I know you are based in Nashville, but originally from India. And now, just like you, I'm I'm living on the other side of the world from my home country. So I absolutely love these stories and they always interest me. So how did you end up going from India to Nashville? Uh, I've been here in Nashville for about six and a half years now. Uh, India, I did my mass, my, well, I did my engineering in India back, I finished it in 99 and I wanted to do my master's in robotics. So I came to the US in 99 for my master's. Um, and then I've been here for a very long time as in Alabama for eight years, about 10 years as traveling a lot, but as based in Philly. And then six years back, I was looking for a a tier two, tier three type city for building boss as a brand new company. And that's when I decided uh, Nashville would be the place to go. Awesome. I've been to Nashville a couple of times and I have to say, I love it. It's a, it's got such a fantastic vibe and a really great energy. Uh, so good, good pick there. Yeah. I, I, and before going to Nashville, Sam, I went to several other cities, including Raleigh and Denver and Austin, Texas, and a few other places 
for some reason, this has a certain vibe, which I really enjoyed a lot. And uh, I think I was I was here for the first time, uh, if I remember right, in September and October, the weather was just fantastic. <laughs> and then I was like, man, this is so good. Uh, I think I committed, uh, I, I did the right thing. I, I didn't commit a mistake. Hopefully you're enjoying the show. And if you are, make sure you subscribe and never miss an episode. You can find us on all your usual podcast sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and a whole lot more, including YouTube. And we want to hear what you think, so be sure to leave us a review. Just search Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. I know that you recently published a blog post titled The Secrets to Building a World-Class Software Engineering Team to Create Cutting-Edge Products. Uh, I know you got into this uh, in some detail in the blog, but for listeners who have not read it, could you please share what some or what characteristics make a great engineering team and what makes a strong engineering leader? Yeah, um, I'll give you a little, I think, let's just give a little, <laughs> maybe like a intro to what I'm about to say. Um, we first need to understand engineers before we know how to team them up into a formidable force. Um, engineers, as you all know, love challenges. They don't mind putting in additional time. I've not seen a single engineer in my whole life uh, ever complain about working extra or working over a weekend. In fact, they do it willingly um, because they get that dopamine kick, if you will, when they have cracked that difficult problem. And you, nobody in the world needs to know it's just them and that computer and then that, that little problem they're struggling with that they fix. And they thrive on constant learning. What irks most engineers is if they're not learning and growing. So when you build those teams, the most important thing is to have a group of highly driven engineers that work on a certain mission that they believe is larger than themselves. And they feel it is worth toiling alongside other engineers. And now they become almost like a uh, it, it, it's like an army battalion where they're working for their brothers and sisters. They're all fighting this battle together. Um, so when you put engineers together, the first thing to understand is the engineers don't like to be given a solution that they code uh, for. They like to be given a problem that they solve. This is important because ultimately they are building for a certain business outcome or for an end user impact. And that user may be a developer, right? But it's, it's ultimately an end user. So understanding that company strategy or that group's strategy and the outcome that is intended has to be very clearly articulated and explained to them. Uh, and then uh, they should be given the latitude that's necessary. So um, they need to understand uh, on from their end the strategy or the outcome that's intended, the kind of customer that they're trying to um, serve. Um, the other important thing in this also for an engineering team, and this also goes into every single engineer, and I've found few, only a few engineers that are really good at doing this, they need to have some fiduciary responsibility. So I've always taught my team that without understanding what it takes in terms of dollars, or the import, the ROI of what they're building, uh, don't put in too, too much work. And then the whole concept of agile also goes into doing in, work in short blasts 
So that fiduciary responsibility is very, very important. Um, so that delivering against that ROI. All of this is ultimately in the service of a customer. So do you understand your customer? The engineering teams must think about that customer experience and deliver against that customer's experience very, very early and often. And in order to do that, they've got to have the right process. Um, and the ability to always gather that feedback and collect data, both technical uh, in terms of application logs, in terms of infrastructure logs, in terms of uh, the market metrics that are required, as well as be in constant conversation with the customers. All of this constitutes data. So be able to make those data-driven decisions. Um, and then iterate quickly. When you iterate quickly, when you're delivering constantly, you've got to have a very high level of discipline because um, when you are seeking feedback from customers, you obviously don't want to get feedback around how that email is not firing or how somebody is not able to log in. So you don't want to you know, commit fundamental mistakes. So you want to have a system that's actually robust enough to where you're able to uh, chase after the most relevant customer and get that person's feedback so that you can improve your product rather than against the most tolerant customer who is going to be most forgiving of, you know, the follies of your product, the fundamental problems, basic issues with your product. Another important thing is constantly communicating the business case. Uh, why are we doing what we're doing? This project is ultimately for a certain purpose and I am accomplishing that purpose in these steps and be able to track that uh, in a very um, easy to understand and easy to explain uh, manner. So I'd, I'd say that's broadly what I would expect engineers and engineering teams to think about when they're working uh, for a company or on their own uh, to build a brand new startup. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing those points because I feel like when I first came across you and the work you're doing, this really stood out for me because we are a psychology technology podcast. And I feel that this kind of topic really stands in that intersection of psychology and technology working with people and technology together um so i really enjoyed this and if anyone is listening i would recommend they go check out this article but if for whatever reason they don't get around to it um what would you like them to take away from it you mentioned many good points there but the article goes into a lot of depth is there anything else that you wanted to add beyond um what uh, you just spoke about when it comes to the takeaway messages or the information uh, shared in this article Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll say two things here for that, Sam. Uh, the first thing I, I, I'd mentioned, I think I, I briefly said, uh, delivering early and often to make sure that you're iterating very quickly. Uh, you know, I think I, I, I'd like for everybody, I, and I say repeat this for my team all the time, less but better, right? How do you deliver less but better? How do you focus on uh, defining it in a manner where you're building a very small chunk and you're able to deliver that so that you can impact the customer quickly. The beauty of software is you can actually deliver something in a day. You could build a brand new product and put it in the hands of a million users in two months. And that is a pretty formidable force. I mean, that's a lot of power that software engineers ha have. 
many people commit the mistake of just going on building these monoliths and saying that there's all of these dependencies that they have to factor in. Stay away from those mistakes. I think that's an important thing, whether you're a developer or somebody that manages developers or a business leader that is working with teams of developers. Uh, the driving uh, uh, underlying construct needs to be less but better, deliver quickly and deliver for an end user's experience. So that's number one. Uh, second thing I'll say is there are, I've, I've always divided software into two layers. Any product has a creative layer and uh, a backend layer, which I would call the engineering layer. Um, I'll explain that for a minute. Um, the creative layer is what companies ultimately end up selling. Those are those customized requirements, the workflows, the end user experience, what the end user touches and feels. That's where the ROI of the company ultimately lies. That's where they are making their money. The engineering piece, that's the infrastructure, the security, the compliance, the, you know, some of the run-of-the-mill type wrote uh, elements like emailing, user management, uh, authentication, authorization. These are extremely important for the functioning of the product but you get no glory by building all of those pieces. Those I call the engineering pieces. Many companies and engineering teams commit the mistake of investing an enormous amount of time and energy to ineffectively and inefficiently build the engineering portion. Uh, you make no money by building the engineering portion. It's absolutely critical, but it, you, it is not where you make your money. So abstract out these two layers, the creative layer and the engineering layer, you could almost leverage a platform that provides all of that out of the box and use that for ensuring that you're able to build that resilient, highly available, scalable, secure, compliant platform on which you focus on that creative layer. Do not waste money, time, energy, and creative juices on the engineering portion and do not get overly creative with the engineering portion. So that's something that I have always told business owners and uh, engineers. I think that's some solid advice. And I really do love that phrase, uh, less but better. I think that that can be applied to so many situations. Uh, I'm definitely going to be stealing that um, <laughs> as I move forward. So I really, I really enjoyed that. And really, the only other thing that I have to raise with you before we uh, close the show is I'd love to know, like, what is the next for you folks there? What's on the horizon for Boss Framework? We're growing very, very quickly, uh, Sam. Um, this is, we've, I've built many products. This, I've de decided to dedicate all of my time to Boss because I feel that this is something that the world of development really needs. Uh, as you know, cloud ops is a very big problem in the world. Everybody's struggling with cloud operations. It's a very uh, fuzzy world and um, there are not very many people that are really good at cloud uh, development. Uh, so we are providing this as a single platform solution that brings together provisioning setup, compliance, security, and observability and ongoing maintenance all into one single platform. We're making it available as a single, uh, via a single interface. Uh, we look at this as a global possibility. So we wanna ultimately have every business thrive because they can depend on boss to have that security, that compliance and that dependability. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, 
I really do wish you the best of luck. And um, I love your backstory. I love the the way the way where you've come from, really, and how you've established this. And um, I want to thank you for sharing your story with uh, our listeners. And if they do want to learn more about you, maybe either follow you personally or follow Boss. Um, what's the best way for them to do that? They can visit us on our website, Boss Framework, B-O-S Framework dot com, uh, or find us on LinkedIn. They can also find me on LinkedIn. Excellent. Sashank, thank you so much for joining me today. You bet. Thank you. Growing a company has many hurdles, from securing funding to expanding your business capabilities to ranking better on search. Each business challenge is uniquely complex. The solution to these challenges is growth-focused digital PR and marketing, and that's where our sponsor Publicize comes in. Publicize sets itself apart from traditional PR companies. It does not charge large retainers or churns out press releases whether you've got a newsworthy announcement or not. Publicize builds on your business's online presence and gets high quality PR and media coverage for startups and entrepreneurs who are priced out of a broken PR industry. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive a social media assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. That's publicize.co slash BBB. This is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more episodes just like it, then follow and subscribe to Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube under the channel of our publication, The Sociable. Just search Brains Bite Back and you'll find all of our episodes there. We really love hearing what you have to say. So leave us a review on iTunes or on any other podcasting platform to let us know what you think. You can also reach out on Twitter at, at The Sociable. And finally, go to sociable.co where you can find all our episodes and plenty of articles on topics just like this. Thanks again for joining us and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.